When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brother, do you know Seventeen K from Crossing Broad? Uh, I do not know him. No. Yeah, well, I know who he is. Seventeen K. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> anyway. Ah, yes. Welcome back, everybody. It is indeed always soccer in Philadelphia, even when we don't record a show for. A matter of weeks, a matter of months. I honestly can't remember the last time that I got on the microphone here. I was definitely before the Champions League exit. Uh, so it has been uh, it has been a while, as the guy from Stained said. Uh, Aaron Lewis, I think his name was. He's doing country music now. But Stained had some bangers uh, back in the day. Uh, I digress. We'll talk about music. We'll talk about new metal uh, on another podcast at another time. Uh, welcome in, everybody, joining the show for a third or fourth time. It's uh, Mike Cervetio from the Philly Soccer Page. What's good, man? Not much, man. It's good to see you. Excited to talk some soccer with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's good to be back. Um, and I guess I have a confession to make when we, as we start the show here. Um, you know, when they crashed out of the Champions League, in disappointing fashion. And then they crashed out of the open cup, uh, you know, about a week later, you know, when they exited two competitions in the span of, of seven days, <laughs> it was, uh, we hadn't even hit summer yet. I was sort of sitting there thinking to myself, like, uh, you know what? Like I'm a little out on this team right now. Not like, not out, out. Like I'm, you know, never going to do the podcast again or like I'm like renouncing my like connection to the union or any anything like that but like I felt like I needed a break because you know just watching the way that they exited the Champions League losing another competition to LAFC then the 3-3 with with Minnesota and all that I was just like all right I think I just like need a break here from that I need I need to step back for a minute and then we'll come back into it right because I had this like this feeling in the back of my head that I'm like I just like feel like they may have hit a ceiling here, you know? And um, if your ceiling is the, is MLS cup losing MLS cup on penalties and losing in the champions league semifinals, it's a pretty damn good ceiling. You know, like there's nothing wrong with that at all. And I wrote this story for crossing broad. That wasn't even negadelphia. It wasn't negative in tone. It was like, Hey, maybe this is the best that they can be. Um, But there was a little bit of like, you know, disappointment. I think that came with that. Where it's like, I'm just going to like chill out. Let me finish the Sixers season for a little bit. Then I'll come back around to the podcast and we'll bring it back. Because inevitably, man, I think you probably felt the same way as I did. I mean, like we all knew that with the Open Cup behind them and the Champions League behind them and the only thing to focus on the league, yeah, they're going to probably get hot and rip off some wins. So here we are, man, now uh, unbeaten in eight straight. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of Union fans that kind of shared your sentiment and that maybe there was a ceiling that was hit and there was uh... – a probable disappointment to go out in the, the open cup and, and in the champions league. And, you know, I, th- I think particularly the champions league um, losing to LAFC again, just doesn't feel good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 
I think it, it's been a difficult beginning to the season. Just there's been so many games. Like I don't think that a lot of people take into account the travel that goes into playing that many games, even with a little bit of a deeper squad than they've had in the past. I think that there was clearly a hangover from last year, which is understandable. I mean, losing a game in the fashion that they lost MLS Cup is challenging for anyone. Like I, I have you know, haunting memories of soccer games from my whole life that have never been played on a level that MLS <laughs> Cup has been. So, like, the, 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 the mental side of that is is challenging. Getting yourself back up again for another long season, a, a season with more games than you've ever played before, with another random competition thrown in when you're playing Liga MX in the summer. I think it's, it's, it's been really challenging, and I do think that there was, you know, a lot of the Union fan base going, oh, maybe... Maybe this isn't going to work anymore. Maybe, maybe we did hit that ceiling. That ceiling was last season, and we might need to retool a little bit. But, like you said, now unbeaten in eight straight, six wins in that time. Some good wins, too. I think, yeah. you know, particularly I thought last night was a good win over Charlotte. I thought the win last week against New England was good. Away to New York City is always a challenging match just because of the field. And so, I mean, like quality wins in that time, too. I had um, – I finally got down to a game um, – it was the DC game. I, I, I'm like cursed or something. I go down to like one, I sit in the press box like once a year now. And like, of course, like you weren't there. Peter Andrews wasn't there. He's like, he was messaging me. He's like, of course you're down there. The one time I'm not down there that we get a boring nil, nil draw. You know, I'm stuck in the parking lot for two hours trying, trying to get out. <laughs> so it's like, I, you know, every time I come to come down, it's like, it just, I get like a shit. I, it's like, I, I bring like 2015 back with, with me. You know? <laughs> Uh, the George was in a terrible mood. It was like it was like I was got put in the time machine, and we were like sitting there, <laughs> sitting there watching like a like a open cup like Rochester Rhinos game or something. You know, oh, I, I miss those days though. I know, I know, they were classic. They were <laughs> there's, classic. There's, there's something nostalgic about it still. But I was ta- I was down in the well. They don't even go into the locker room anymore. You know, they bring the players out to like that that like uh, warm up area, kind of just outside the locker room, and that's where they do the interviews now. And I was talking to some union. Uh, employees there and the one of them said to me he or she was just like kevin you know what like these dudes are tired yeah these guys are just tired um you know and like it's easy for us to sit here and say oh there's a lot of games but like okay what does that mean like they were on a plane to el salvador they're on a plane to mexico they're on a plane to la they were like how many rest days did they really have in between there at the beginning of the season when they're trying to trying to ramp up and trying to get into it and trying to like find their legs. It's like cold as, as shit out there for, for a couple of these. And like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like, I wish I had a better way of saying like, yo, this is a lot, but I, I, <laughs> I you can't really convey that on a podcast. You can't convey it if you, you know, unless you live it, but you know, for, for somebody down there to, to admit that straight up and just say like, yo, they were tired. I mean, it, it doesn't really, I mean, that says it all, you know? Yeah, and I, you know, I think you know maybe some people can be disappointed with the selection in some games. You know, I, th- I think about particularly the Open Cup loss in Minnesota, where it's just like, you know, they did rest half of the team in that game, and they had to. Literally, yeah. they had to. Like, there was a bunch of guys that just needed a full week of rest in that yeah. week, and and you know, you still gave Minnesota a strong game in a in a, in a competition where you you you'd fancy yourself to advance if if you do get out of that first round and you can play some games on a full week's rest or, or, or rotate in more of the first team guys. Um, you know, I, I, I think, I do think that this season Philadelphia union wants to win MLS cup. And I think that is the goal 
You know, I think the Champions League was, I thought they had a good tournament. I thought that they went out to a better team, unfortunately. You know, I think LFC is a good team. They're stacked. They have so much depth and their star players are amazing. Um, So I, I think it is a long MLS season. They've changed the playoff rules again so basically everybody freaking gets in the playoffs yeah Um, yeah you know i think that they're working their way back up the table um and even in this this early period where i don't think that they've looked particularly strong most weeks i think better lately for sure um they've not been getting blown out um you know i think you know you look you you're disappointed to lose the the record of not losing at home for a long time but you know a game against orlando on a wednesday with national team guys missing. Yeah, yeah. That was bound to happen eventually, and it's not surprising it's in that game. Um, so I think, you, you know, you're, you're starting to see a team that has getting a little bit of their legs back under them, finding a rhythm in their play, finding a change-up with the formation, which I know you want to talk about a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I, I think having that adaptation has been a huge help in the last couple of weeks and in, in, in helping them control games a little bit better and, and get some different guys on the field. Well, you know, look, last night we can do Charlotte real quick. There's not a lot to recap. They get a one nothing win. They get a clean sheet. I think it's kind of to the point that you were making earlier. Um, it's uh, they did not play their best game, um, but the union that we watched last year and the year before, they, they now win these games that are not their best games, you know, and there was some slop last night. There's a lot of back and forth kind of stuff. It was an open game, man. Yeah, it um, was. Ted uncle, uh, very happy to use his whistle. Um, Notice that in your recap, you were not you were not happy with. Uh, with <laughs> I can't stand that uncle. Most people, most people, it's funny too because I was reading the comments on Philly soccer page, Mike's with uh, PSP, and uh, you know there's a lot of complaints about. There's like 40 responses to your uh, your gamer or whatever, and like half of them were about the ref. But I, you know, again, they they find a way to get the job done, and I'm like, okay, when they're not playing well and they're still they're still doing it, like this is the union I know. Like if you can junk it up and slop it up, and like you're not really carving out right. chances. Like there was parts of this game, man, where I, I felt like a Flyers fan watching Jake Voracek. I was just like, shoot, shoot <laughs> the ball. It's like you, even like even on the sequence that they scored the goal because I think Ambizo could have just put it on his left. Oh yeah, uncorked one. He he laid it off. And it was like a you know a deflection that dribbled out, and then Kai blasted in, and you know, but uh, but that's the point, man. I mean, they they like even when they don't play their well, and even when they slop it up, I mean, they can win, they can win pretty games, they can win slop games, they can they can kind of do it all when they're when they're playing like that, you know. And you know, I think that that's always been the saying too. Is like if you're if you win a game when you haven't played your best game, that's the sign of a good team, right? You know, and I, yep. I think that they they've had a couple of those recently where they've they've not had the best game, but they've gotten the result in the end. Um, you know, I thought last night should have been a little bit more comfortable. You know, you look at, you know, Carranza's matches went off the crossbar in the first yeah. minute. That yeah. goes in. That's probably almost game over there. It didn't feel like Charlotte was going to score. You know, when the score no. is only one nothing, you leave yourself open to that, though. You know, one could counter sack, one set piece that could come. And wasn't that one of those games? Wasn't that one of those games, man, where you're sitting there like, I don't, I don't like feel, I'm not worried about Charlotte scoring at all. I, I said that in a text message to a friend who, who, who messaged me at halftime and yeah. was was curious uh, what, what I was thinking, and I was like, I, I don't see it. Like you know, but you, you know, if it's one nothing, you do leave yourself open to that opportunity. It certainly can happen. And yeah. Charlotte has scored goals this season too. And I thought yeah, they were they presented an interesting test too. They, they don't play necessarily like a lot of other teams in MLS, and they they yeah. came to Philadelphia and had an open game, which you don't see a lot anymore. You see a lot of teams come in and, and sit behind the ball and they are the union to try to break them down, which the union yeah. 
don't really prefer to play that way anyway. Um, so it was it was interesting to see that. Um, but I, you know, I think they they should have won three 0 I think Carranza should have scored when he hit the bar. I'm still not convinced that Mikel Uri was offside. Uh, <laughs> and Apple failed to show me a replay that was uh, in line or you know even showed any semblance of it. I don't think it was enough to overturn the call because there was no good angle. Um, and then you know Gosdog at the end gets called for another offside goal after a really you know nice little finish in the in stoppage time and yeah. again very very close on the offside call so like had enough opportunities to win three four nothing yeah yeah you're right man and uh, we won't talk about the sequence where Chris Donovan was offside and then he had two guys <laughs> wide open to his right where he just could have just slid the ball over and instead he missed missed wide um, your post. Yeah, I um I would put that clip. Somebody clipped that and made a GIF out of it, a GIF, a GIF, whatever we're calling it. Uh, that would be right up there with the Andrew Wanger just dribbling the ball out. <laughs> so I was like, that was bad, man. That was really bad. I know we don't. I don't. I don't kill dudes on this podcast. We do have the Ray Gaddis rule, where if you're gonna say something negative about somebody, you have to bounce it out by saying something positive uh, about him. The positive thing I can say about Chris Donovan is that he's going to get better um you know i'm kind of reaching there i don't hate the kid i don't dislike the kid i don't think he's ready for the level i still think Corey burke was the biggest loss that they had but you know kind of that kind of segues me my meandering about chris donovan kind of segues me into the 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 real topic of the of the this run of this unbeaten run which is jim showing tactical flexibility you know, and go into three at the back, five at the back, whatever we want to call it. We can argue that on a separate podcast, whether it's three or five. But um, how much of it here, – here's what's, what interests me. You know, how much of it is that he he really likes the three center backs versus, you know, the idea of like, look, man, I just I don't have Bedoya and I don't have McGlynn, right? And, and, and so, like, when, when you think of – think of it in that regard it's like if i'm going to put my best 11 guys on the field and they're gone who's next up in a vacuum it's probably damian low yeah Yeah. so i'm gonna throw him on the field and we're gonna change the shape to fit our best players that we have available And i think that's a good good thing because i don't think that they had been jim in the early days had not shown uh any kind of proclivity towards that at all i mean you remember the ernie stewart (laughs) famous quote of like 2016 where he's like well these guys are just trying to learn one formation you know like how are we going to teach them too i'm like you got dudes who played the world cup here yeah. you know so it's, it's it's nice to see the tactical flexibility i wonder what the genesis of it of it is though you know yeah i mean i don't disagree with your assessment you know i think if you're looking at ways to refresh this group when you're missing guys like padoya and mcglynn and you know even and Quinn sullivan who's, who's gotten some good minutes this season you know and damon lowe i think out of the you know if you look at the three mls guys they brought in in the in the off season he's the best one you know he's i think Herrera has been disappointing i think torres has been particularly disappointing after that really nice flash in the, the first game of the season he's just like not really figured out how to get himself involved. His decision-making doesn't look, look great. So with, with the guys that he's had available with the U-20s missing and, and, and missing Ali with the injuries, I think it's made total sense that Damon Lowe would be the, the, the next best player to bring into the 11. And, and Yeah, he's got to be. I mean, who else are you looking at on that bench? Like, I mean, like Jesus Bueno, like Perea Torres. If you're just taking all the positions away from these guys' names and you're saying, okay, who's my, like – next best dude that I have available here, considering Bedoya's injured and these guys are on international duty. 
it's Damian Lowe, you know? So yeah. I give credit to Jim for, for, and I know that they messed around with the three, five, two, the five, three, two, like in the preseason. And they talked about, you know, wanting to switch it up. And I think they did run a, a three center backs before all the injuries and their national call-ups and stuff. But I do give them credit for, for, for going to that because there, there were, there was a game or two where they had Leon at the six yeah, playing in the diamond. And I was just like, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, so, so that's why, so I, I, it's good to see that because that was a theme coming into this year, you know, like the yeah. stuff that Jim told us in the preseason. I, I do like that. The, that there, there are probably other ways to, to handle this three, five, two, you know, you we're talking about it as a, an idea of, you know, something to do when Ali is out, but Ali can play this formation and I think he would thrive in it too. You know, I, I don't, you know, you could, you could probably replace flock with Ali and yeah. not lose a whole lot and gain maybe a little bit, particularly in the, the offensive third, um, you know, not, I, I actually think that, you know, flock has looked pretty good offensively in this formation a lot better than he had earlier in the season. Um, and particularly the last couple of games, he's, he's had some really good balls. He shouldn't have had an, he should have had an assist on Carranza's, shot off the bar last night yeah. Um, yeah but you know i think you know and you have some fl- other flexibility too like i think brandon craig has been outstanding at the u20 world cup like mm-hmm. the dude's taking mm-hmm. set pieces and they're yeah. fantastic adding another passing center back alongside jack elliott and jacob glesness if you wanted to throw him in there love it man i i, I would love to see it you know i think I think Damon Lowe is a nice balance between Glasnost and Elliott because he's more of a blunt object in terms of he's not going to take any shit. He's going to get in on a tackle. Yeah. He's not going to do anything stupid with the ball, probably. He might kick it 40 yards out of bounds if he, if he gets into a bad space with it. But he knows what he can't do. That's, <laughs> imp- that's, that's Yeah, that's actually a great line. Um, that's probably the most important thing that anybody can do in anything. And uh, you and I who capped out at playing in the Casa league, we know very much about the things that we can't do. Right. So yeah. you try, <laughs> do your best to, uh, to avoid that. And, and yes, I mean, Damian Lowe is like a guy who plays, a, he plays a pretty straightforward linear game. I mean, he's, he's like a, a no nonsense kind of dude. Um, yeah. If he has to hack it, he's going to hack it, you know? He needs to make a pass, he'll make a pass, but he's not he's not really gonna venture like, you know, do a, a Jacob Glessness, you know, like oh, these guys can't score. I'm gonna take the ball 40 yards myself and try to get involved in the attack. He's not gonna do that. Which but he which, allows that to happen too, though. I mean, if you have you have another guy that can yeah. stick around in the in the back line, it doesn't and Glessness went on a couple of forays last night and he's gone on a it's, couple in the last few weeks. It's yeah, it's good. I'm glad you bring that up because that's I think the thing that I noticed the most, like just little things I've picked out with the formation, is that I like Glessness in that area on the right because he can, he can venture a little bit, you know. And like we we played um we played that same shape um in in Casa, and uh, we had good. So if you're the right center back or the left center back, you can kind of step up into this really nice pocket where. You're forward in kind of like an area that like a D mid might normally, you know, operate from, but you're close enough to the sideline that you can be a little more, you know, adventurous, I guess, take some more risk because you're not worried about like if a pass doesn't come off, if you turn the ball over, like you get a straight line going back to the, to the goalkeeper. You know, I know when you play in a flat back line, like a four, four man back line or something, they do space out a lot. Sometimes a D mid will drop, but 
I think it works for Glessons because Mbizo pushes up really, really far on the right side. And then Jacob can kind of step into those spots, knowing that he's got Jack Elliott to his left. And then the, there's the, that backside rotation where Damian is over there as well. So then if Glessons gets caught out, Elliott rotates and then Lowe is covering for Elliott, right? And then you got Andre Blake back there, right? So you feel comfortable about it. I think, I think like Glessons is a good passer of the ball, man. He's, he's, just, a good, he's just a good soccer player, man. I mean, like, I, I that's the guy, I think Glessons is a dude that you could probably put at like any spot on the, on the field. He reminds me a little bit of like, like when the union had Marisa do here, where it's like, I feel like you could put Mo, they played Mo at D mid, they played him as a center back. I wouldn't, he could go play friggin' forward. He'd probably be pretty good at it, you know? So I think that's yeah. unlocked a little bit of him, his passing ability. Um, while at the same time, a- allowing Kai and uh, Olivier to, to bomb without as much defensive responsibility. But that being said, like Kai is still playing like amazing defense as a wingback. You know, yeah, I, so I, I just I, I like those are the, probably the things that. Because you know, as a defender, I look at the defense. That, that's where I'm focused on. Like that, those are my takeaways, main takeaways from like them switching that shape. I think too, one of the things that I've really enjoyed in, in the three five two is is Jose Martinez getting a little bit more freedom to to jump up into the attack. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I know that there's a running joke about him smashing balls from 35 yards out that are sometimes not <laughs> the best. Yeah, they're ideas. getting closer though, right? They're getting oh, a little yeah, bit more. Smash! I, I thought that one was it. That one looked good coming off. Well, you um, know that when you know that when he does score, that the roof is going to come off the place, right? I, I remember, so. Each time he takes it, it drops like six inches in height, and it gets a little bit closer to the crossbar. Yeah, he's going to bang one off the crossbar, and then he's going to score from yeah like forty out. You know, but I, I do think you know, and, and it's and it's Martinez and Flock to an extent, like having a little bit more freedom to jump up into the attack when it's there. Yep. To, to take a little space in the center of the field or even down the wing. You know, I think Jose has been really good at getting down the right wing, either in front of or behind a, uh, Inviso's runs. Well, and he's played, you know, when he plays for the national team, he's, he has played out wide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he usually plays as like an eight in like yeah, a four, four, two, right. I don't watch Venezuela a whole lot. Yeah. I think he's played some straight up like outside mid too. I think he had a play yeah. against, uh, it was New England, I want to say. Do you remember that really, really nice run that he had on the edge mm-hmm. there where he just skinned the defender and he yeah. knocked it back for a dummy <laughs> and Carranza knocked it over the crossbar? That yeah. would have been a beautiful goal, you know? Yeah. yeah, he had a couple of really nice runs, particularly in that New England game. I think one yeah. he flubbed off his shin, but, you know, he's finding space. And it seems like a little later in the game, you know, I thought when uh, Jesus Bueno came in last night, that frees up. Jose a little bit more too because you know I think Bueno has been interesting to me I think he's been good um, without being yeah. uh, you know I don't I don't think he's pushing to get into the eleven but he's certainly a guy that you can feel comfortable bringing off the bench and and particularly in that kind of closing role where you're you're not where you're looking to shut things down a little bit more do you um, yeah yeah no I agree um, and and Bueno I think more of a stay at home kind of guy. I think he's yeah. more inclined to be like six ish. You know, it's interesting when you play the three five two because you know when Leon and and um, you know Jose are there, they're playing a double pivot. You know, and when mm-hmm. they're in the diamond, it's a single pivot. Where Leon's over on on the left, obviously, so it's a completely different thing for him. So Jose has played probably ninety nine percent, ninety eight percent of his union games as a single pivot six. Now playing as a double pivot six, where it's almost like. I need a better example for this is I feel like I use the same damn team every single time, but I just think back to that Juventus three, five, two of years ago where they flipped the triangle and they had Pirlo knocking balls around, but in front of him, they had Marquisio 
and like um i guess like arturo vidal or something like that but it, maybe a more recent example would be like you remember those la galaxy teams that had like juninho and like marcelo mm-hmm. Arbas, where yeah. they were they weren't really i mean it was almost like you were playing like two eights really in there. Um, and nobody was really a six and nobody's really an eight. And I think the point you made earlier about Leon having some freedom to, or Leon looking okay at spots going forward and Jose having that freedom to go forward. It's almost like a, like for people who are listening on the, well, everybody's listening on the podcast, but we're talking to each other on video here. I'm holding up both of my fingers. And as I push one finger forward, the other one stays here. And I push the other finger forward and it's just this, this thing that they have as a double pivot where one guy goes forward and one guy stays. And then when the other guy goes forward, the other guy stays. So they're just picking their spots to kind of either carry the ball forward or in Jose's case, take a few steps and try a diagonal. Um, but yeah, because you do have that second guy there, it's more of like a, hey, you stay, I'm going, and, and vice versa, versus like if Jose vacates that in the diamond, there's nobody there. Right. So he's so he's got to stay at home because you don't you don't have that, you know, but it's not a double pivot in the sense of like a six and an eight. It's almost like two sixes or two eights that are mm-hmm. kind of choosing when to stay and when to go. I mean, that's what we were talking about before, too, is like, you know, if you get Ali back and you get Jack Glenn back, I still think you can play three, five, two if you want to, at least some of the time. Like those guys can figure out this formation and, and be very good in it in, in different ways, too. You know, you know, you, you look at, you know, you mentioned having a guy like Pirlo. Uh, you know, I don't want to compare Jack McGlynn to Pirlo exactly, but, you know, similar type player, at least in terms of passing and, and vision and, 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 you know, yeah. ideas. I, you, you can surround a guy like McGlynn with, with Leon Flock and Jose Martinez or even Bedoya thrown in there and, and give you know, him to ping balls around the field. No, that would be really – you know what I would like to see? I think that's a cool idea, actually. You know, if they ever had a game where, like, Gosh Dog was injured or suspended or something like that, I would love to see them actually flip the triangle. Yeah. And, you know, so you have your back five, and then you play McGlynn as, like, a six. And then in front of him, you have, like, a like a Bedoya and Martinez. And yeah. put Martinez in, like, that Tony Chani, like, Warren Craval kind of, like, roam around role mm-hmm. and then you got your two strikers you know never gonna take gosh dog off the field but yeah i mean ollie could play as a box-to-box eight next to you know jose martinez right? the only thing i don't want ollie doing is just playing six right but if he's playing yeah. double pivot next to one of those other guys then it's fine um i think it's interesting because i was reading the comments like i said on the story that you wrote last night or um wednesday night if you're listening to this on friday and uh, yeah, there were some comments there from pe- people who were like, you know, I think Bedoya is replaceable, you know, and um, it, it's kind of, you know, it comes with the caveat of like, again, you know, they're playing a different formation, number one, um, you know, if, if you, if you did put him, but if you did put him in that formation, I think he would be just as good as flock in that formation. Um, yeah. I don't know if you read any more into like the, I guess the question is like, do you think Bedoya like, can they move on from Bedoya at this point, or do they have to move on from him? No, I mean, I, I, I don't think that they have to. I think, I think they could if they had to. Um, you know, I, and I, I, I think that there's been, you know, it's looked better than it has in the last three years from you know being able to move on from him. Um, I think he's one of the key cogs in being able to play a really successful four four two, because it really, I think, you know, having him as a you know a shuttler eight is probably his best position. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think, but I, you know, I think he's a smart enough guy to realize that he does not have the legs that he had when he was a little younger. I think that he'll, 
embrace any formation you want to throw him into and any position that you want to throw him into because he's a smart soccer player. You know, he could do it. He'll play in a 3-5-2, he'll play in a 4-4-2, Christmas tree, whatever you throw out there. You know, there's a place for Ali Bedoya still. Um, You know, is it 90 minutes? I don't know. Maybe it's less than 90 minutes now. Maybe it's 30 off the bench. Maybe it's 60 to start. Maybe it's alternating those, those ideas. Yeah, it's weird, man. Because I just, you know, I I just saw Perea as being maybe the natural replacement over there. Um, but you know, the lack of minutes for Perea and then Torres kind of falling off. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I don't look if they want to roll Bedoya out there of uh, every single game like they've been doing. Like, all right, you know, I, I get it, but um, please just know, please just know what the succession plan is here. You know, yeah. like don't go into if he retires, like if Ali walks or they don't bring it, you know, or whenever his career is up, don't give me a season of like fucking around trying to find out what's next there. Because you've got enough guys in the pipeline now that you should know where you're going after yeah. after him. You know, so that's that's the only thing that I ask there. Um, that's what I got for union topics. I want to kind of shift it. I want to do an exercise. Actually, I have one more non-union sort of union topic. And then I want to do an exercise because we always like to do an exercise on the program. Um, I was very fascinated by leads going down. Um, obviously, Brendan Aronson is there um, or maybe was there, depending uh, on when you're listening to this. But uh yeah, Tyler Adams, Weston McKenney. Like, so we know that McKenney's loan. He's going back to Juve, and then we'll figure out what to do with him. Tyler Adams, apparently, I think it was reported that he has a release. Um, I don't know if I don't know if it was reported that he actually does have a release clause, or if he might be on the move. But I mean, we're Brendan has a release clause, and we're just going to assume that maybe both of those guys leave. Um, did you watch a lot of them this year? Number one and number two, and if you did, what did you think? And number two, where? What do you think makes sense for Brendan next? I did watch a lot of leads this season. Um, you know, I think it took a long time, but Leeds became a, a team close to my heart for a couple of different reasons. Um, you know, you know, obviously the American connection and, and you know, know, knowing Brendan for a long time coming through the union and then, you know, through, through Ian Mellonby, who was a massive Leeds fan that we, we knew from Tuesday night football and, and the 700 club, um, so um, I did watch them a lot this season. I do think that they deserve to go down. Um, I think that they were poor for most of the season. I think that they were still too open, uh, even, you know, under Marsh. You know, I think, you know, it was always the complaint under Viesla that they were way too open. It was very entertaining. Yeah, 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 <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, I, I, got I, a I, rant. I got a rant about that later. But, I'll... <laughs> um, but you know, they... I, I, they did not have good game plans for most other teams this season, no matter who the manager was. Um, I, I didn't think that Jesse did himself many favors as the coach there. Um, I thought that, like I said, I think that they were, they were too open. I thought they were missing a couple of key pieces. Like I, I, I didn't rate most of the defenders that they had. Um, no, no. I mean, you're looking at dude. I mean, these dudes, like, let's be honest, like Liam Cooper, Pascal Strauch, like, Luke Ailing. I mean, some of these dudes are like championship holdovers, you know? Yep. And, and they'll I'm be good in the championship these... again next season. Yeah, yeah. And I just, you know, I'm watching these games where it's like uh, leads would be all over and they, the ball would be in the opponent's half and they'd just be knocking it around and they'd be like dispossessing people or they would just be winning these tackles and Tyler Adams was crunching into people and they would look like 
they would look like Real Madrid for 20 minutes at a time. And then they couldn't get the goal. And then they would come back and, and commit this like horrendous, like hideous error defensively. And then they'd be down one, nothing, you know, mm-hmm. I sat here thinking, I'm like, man, dude, if they could like finish even like 25% of these chances, uh, score these goals or like just cut down by like 15% on these like horrendous, like defensive miscues, they'd still be in the, in the, Premier League, you know, <laughs> and like yeah. I mean, Patrick Bamford was was fucking horrendous yeah. this year, and like uh, you know, it's you know, I get the sense that Leeds fans are like loyal to these to the dudes who got them up, um, you know, from the Championship a couple years ago. But my God, if they had anybody who could just score a goal, yeah, and they were missing a nine all season. Pam- they were missing Bamford a nine all season. from half of the season and then poor for the parts that he was healthy. Yeah. And I, you know, Brendan started pretty well over there and then he kind of just like flattened out. Then when he came back from the world cup, it was like, he was a completely different player and Jesse got fired and like Brendan didn't really fit into like what they were, they were doing. You know I mean? He's a very specific kind of dude. Um, and like quite, quite honestly, man, he looked like he was too small for the Premier League, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always been a knock on, on both Aaron's and boys is that they're, they're slight. Uh, I mean, I think, Brendan has grown into his body a little bit more, but he's a, he's a small guy. Um, it's it, and it's it's tough. And the Premier League is the most physical league out of out of the big leagues. You know, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that there's still any question about that. Um, he, I think the thing with Brendan for me is he, he didn't he didn't feel out of place most of the time. Like he wasn't he did he, at worst he was uninvolved. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think that he got to do a lot of the things that he's really good at doing. Um, you know, I think like closing down and being high energy off the ball. Um, you know, Le- I, I think Leeds could have done with other teams having the ball a little bit more um, and, and playing on the yeah. counter. Um, what is next for him is a curious thing for me because if if he wants to stay at Leeds, and I don't think that's the worst thing in the world, and the championship is still a really high caliber soccer league. Um, yeah, I think. I think he'd be excellent in the championship, to be honest. Like, yeah. As a person that has watched a lot of championship soccer, unfortunately. Um, yeah, your boy's still in the uh, in the championship. Got relegated to League One. Oh no! <laughs> Six point deduction. I don't, we, we, that's another podcast. <laughs> Where Mike can be depressed about Reading. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We we flirted with relegation, and then it then it came for us. Um, I just think it's you know. I, I don't know. I'm trying to think like I'm trying to put myself in Brendan's shoes. And you know, if I was him, like what do what is playing in the championship? How much motivation do I have to prove myself to what am I trying to say here? Like if I stay in the championship, what am what am I proving and, and to whom? Am I proving to the Leeds fans that I don't suck? Like am I trying to win them back or do I not give a shit about them? Um, same Leeds fans who called Weston McKenney a fat ass while he was, you know, walking off the field allegedly, or am I just trying to prove to myself that I can hack it in this league? Or do you just take the, the, the bump and say, look, it just didn't work out here. I'm going to try to shift my career back to somewhere else, you know, cause I, I go back and I'm trying to think like, what would be the natural step up from rebel Salzburg, right? It's probably the Bundesliga, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like I could see Brendan. Well, I mean, this is kind of stupid to say since they both play the same position, or maybe they don't. Maybe they wouldn't have him play the same position. But I could see Brendan linking up with Paxton at Frankfurt. Yeah, you know, I could see him. I could see Brendan playing for like a mid-table Bundesliga team. Like, a, like you tell me that Brendan Aronson wouldn't work at like a Hoffenheim mm-hmm. or like a Wolfsburg mm-hmm. or or 
something like that, you know, like, like why not? Um, I mean, that seems to be like progressively, if you're going from where do dudes from Austria go? Uh, probably Germany, you know, when they're good enough. Right. I mean, like, look at all the dudes that they pulled into Leipzig from, from Salzburg, you know, for Mm -hmm. you look at the various pipelines to the Ernst Tanner has connections in both countries, you know? So it just seems like, I guess I'd like to see Brandon go there. I think that's probably the best thing for his careers is Germany. Yeah, I think, it's, you know, I, I wonder what he thinks, too, because I, I do think that there's a really good chance that Leeds comes right back up. Um, the championship is very fixed towards teams coming right back up. That's why you see a lot of teams yo-yo. Um, yeah. it, it, it's it's difficult to, to mount a, a challenge in the championship from the championship. You know, yeah. you're coming down with parachute payments still. You're going to have half of a Premier League team still with leads, um, there's a good chance that they'll come back up. And a, a season in the championship coming back to the Premier League is not the worst thing for a player on the, the on the national team. Um, you know, you, and we've seen good national team players in the championship for the last 20 years. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't disagree that going to Germany is, is a bad idea. Like, I, I think that he, he could fit in very well with a, a number of, of German teams. You know, I think you're probably right that it's not the top four or five German teams, but the teams below that, that he would, you know, he would get a run in every week and, 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 and he would yeah. look good. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder how he feels, you know, he's, you know, he's, I think I saw it mentioned a couple of weeks ago that he, he struggled a little bit for confidence, particularly late in the season at Leeds. And that makes sense. He's not played that well. He's not been assisting. He's not been scoring. You know, who's going to be the coach of Leeds next season? What, formation is that coach going to play yeah. and does Brendan Aronson have a very clear role in it? Those are the questions I think the player has got to ask himself um, because yeah, you know, yeah. if there's a formation coming that's not going to work for him that he needs to look for something. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, if you're bringing in a defensive minded coach, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got to be a fit for you. You know, it's not, not even necessarily, you know, predicated on what you want or what you think, you know, I mean, there's going to be a lot of this stuff that's out of your control, you know, yeah. and maybe they don't even want him back. You know, maybe they try to recoup some of the some of the money that they spent. You know, so but that's why we talk about hypotheticals on a podcast. You know, um, I think Tyler is a different story for me. I yeah. think Tyler Adams is too good for the championship. Um, I, I think he he'll start wherever he goes. If he wants to stay in the prem, he'll probably find a prem team that that wants a player like yeah. him. I think he he was endeared by the Leeds fans. I think he was probably the best player until he got hurt. He was all over the field. I think he's he's a tough customer. Um, if he wants to stay in the prem, there'll be a team that comes for him. Well, there was a clear decline too in their performance and their just like defensive bite when he went out. I think I saw a graphic that was being thrown around Twitter showing that like some arbitrary statistical strength number or whatever, like they cratered when Adams was injured. So in that case, I will choose to believe that it's a good statistic, you know, yeah. to help, help craft my pro American narrative. But look, I, the, my final thing on Leeds is like, see these dudes like talking about Bielsa, you know, and they're like, well, you know, the dude's like a God over there. You know, I got like build statues for him. Cause he took them from like mediocrity of the premier league. I get it. You know, like I get it. Um, and I'm not from there. I've never been there. I, I, I'm not, I can't speak to how much it means for them or to those supporters or to that that city. But I can also say that when Bielsa got sacked, they had just lost like 6 nothing, 4 nothing, 4 to 2 and like 3 nothing. okay? Mm-hmm. And they were like in 16th or 15th or 16th, and they were like on the road to relegation, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, make no mistake. He would have got sacked by any team on the planet. 
Mm -hmm. at that point. Right. And you can go back in hindsight and say, well, the board didn't have a plan. And like, you know, they brought in all these Americans and Jesse was whatever. Jesse kept them up. Right. You know, maybe they didn't have a long-term plan, but like, dude, the revisionist history with Marcelo Bielsa is just like, I mean, you, you guys were going down. He, everybody, everybody would have, every team on the planet would have fired him. So I just think the hindsight part of that is corny. Yeah, I, I think that there's two parts to it for Leeds fans too. I think that there's the, the Leeds fans that, that can't let go of what Biesla did and get getting them back up to the Premier League, which is where Leeds fans think that their team belongs. Yeah, there's there's always going to be that thought, and I think that there's a lot of just like level-headed Leeds fans that were like, we were getting killed on the pitch, we were conceding goals left and right, mm-hmm. we were playing a style of football that probably can't be played in the Premier League. And the manager yeah, was yeah. not going to flex to anything else. No, so no, 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 no. To save he, them last season, that he had to go. <laughs> my favorite thing of all time is to pull from the the well of more than one thing can be true. What yeah. Bielsa, what Bielsa did for Leeds was incredible, and the guy should be revered over there. Yep. Another thing that's true is that you were going down with him before he was fired. So, yep. Yeah. More than one thing can be true. Final exercise here. I thought this would be kind of fun to spitball about before we wrap it up. And I got to do this Nick Nurse press conference. Um, <clears throat> for Crossing Broad, we put together a list of the top 25 athletes in Philadelphia. I only do it like every five years because it's just, I don't know. It doesn't change much year to year. But I was like, well, we'll do, we'll do another one now. And it's kind of slow in the summer anyway. So one of the things that we always argue about is like, okay, are we putting union players on the list? Everybody listening to this podcast is going to say yes. Right. It's a union podcast, right? They should be included. Everybody knows that I'm like super inclusive. I try to get them on the site. I try to do every time I do crossing broad stuff, I include the union with the Phillies and all that stuff. But people complain when we put them on the top 25 list because like MLS isn't the greatest league in the world. And how, how do I compare like a, like Andre Blake to Jason Kelsey? I don't, I don't know, you know, but how do I compare Jason Kelsey to Bryce Harper? I don't know. You know, I don't know. This is arbitrary exercises here. So when we did the list, we left Andre in there. Um, I might just take him out and say, here's a four for four thing. But if I was including union players, this is who they would be. So this is the list that we came up with. Jalen Hurts, Bryce Harper, Joel Embiid. This is one number one going in order, one through 25. Hurts, Harper, Embiid, A.J. Brown, Hassan Reddick, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Devontae Smith, Trey Turner at nine. Uh, James Harden, JT Realmuto, we had Blake in there at 12. Zach Wheeler, Dallas Goddard, Jordan Maialata, Tyrese Maxey, Darius Slay, Aaron Nola, James Bradbury, Alec Bohm, Carter Hart, Bryson Stott, Travis Konechny, Brandon Marsh, um, and uh, Alvarado from the Phillies. So it was 10 Eagles, two Flyers, one Union player, eight Phillies, and three Sixers. Look, you ask me, and here's the exercise. The exercise is figuring out what Union players would be worthy of a list like this. Andre Blake absolutely has to be in there. Um, I had Jacob Glessness on my list. Um, I think we're probably in agreement on that, that he could go in there somewhere too. Do you think like, honestly, trying to just put your like your pr- pragmatic hat on here that you could put like a Kai Wagner or a, or a Jose Martinez or, or something like on this, list? like, like, like in there where like you're, you're like Alec Bohm's and you're like Jose Alvarado's are, you know? Like, how would you, if you were me and you were like tasked with putting this together, navigating this shit, how would you handle it? I guess, you know, my, my first thought when you, you talked about this is that there were three players from the union that came to my mind. And you mentioned two of them. I think, you know, Blake, obviously, Glesnes is, is next. For me, the third was Gosdok. 
Um, yeah. And, you know, I think there's shouts for Kai Wagner and I think there's shouts for Jose Martinez. Uh, maybe even, even Carranza too. I mean, with the way he's playing, you know? Yeah. I, you know, like it, it's tough when you're trying to compare between sports <laughs> And, and how do you just, how do you even do it? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a, if people are going to ask me questions, like, well, how do you justify including union players? I'm like, well, how do you decide if if Jalen Hurts is better than Bryce Harper? I, I don't know. We're just kind of picking, you know, you know, we're making this up on the fly as we go. We're trying to do the best job as we can, but the criteria is impossible to kind of to kind of parse. So the the thing that I kept coming back to with the union guys is like, okay, I'll concede to you that MLS is not the Premier League. No shit, Captain Obvious, right? But Andre Blake is like three-time goalkeeper of the year in this league, and he's also the captain of his national team. Yeah. So, like, if like these aren't just like regular dudes in a regular league; these are like the best of the best in this league. Jacob Glesnick's reigning defender of the year. So, yeah. I mean, if you're looking at it relative to what the Philadelphia teams do in their respective leagues, um, then yeah, Andre Blake goes on the list, probably in the top ten or fifteen. Jacob Glesnick goes in the top fifteen or twenty. You know, to me, yeah. it's not even an argument. But I'm trying to think of a better way to. I don't know. I'm trying to piss off as few people as I can. That's basically what my life has come down to. I'm trying to piss off as few, few people as I can here. You know, I know it's my website. I can do whatever the hell I want. I'm trying to trying to be like pragmatic about it. You know, I feel like, I feel like you've changed, Kevin. There, there was there was a time when that that wouldn't have been such a, a concern. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's funny because now I get because I threw it out on Twitter the other night, and I'm like, here's the working list that I have. You know, because I like to get readers involved and have them give some feedback and stuff like that, and. You know, half the people were like, the union guys suck. You shouldn't have him in there. And then there was union fans, you know, on my feed who were like, Andre's got to be top 10. So, you know, I get it, man. I see both sides of it. I just don't want to put, I don't, I don't want to, I'm, I'm careful not to like try to shove the union up people's asses. Like I've, I've done probably as much as anybody like you, me, to George, Tanawal, the whole, the whole crew of trying to like build respect for this team and try to try to get people to care and, and, and buy in or whatever. But I'm also like aware of the fact that you don't want to push too hard and turn people off. I'm not trying to say to people, you must support the union or else I'm going to put my foot up your ass. You know, like it's not, it's not that at all. Well, I think that, and that's the, the tricky thing. And I think it's, it's been interesting to watch over the, the course of the union's existence and even the course of the MLS existence of like how, you know, you know, I don't know if you want to consider crossing broad mainstream media, but media that covers a town sports. Yeah. You know, if you if you still if you tune into the eleven o'clock news, they do a sports package. The union is not in it, um, and then they, which is ridiculous to me, particularly in seasons where like this, where the Phillies aren't very good, Sixers are over, Eagles are over, Flyers are over. What yeah. else is going on? How much can you talk about a bad Phillies team when you have a team like the Union that's very good? So yeah, I, yeah. I, I've always been like, it's it's weird to me because like, there's still a lot of mainstream sports outlets that have not embraced MLS as a part of American sports culture, um, and I think it's only a good thing when they are included. They are professionals in the country that we live in. Um, I don't think it has and, to be any more complicated than that, does it? No, you know, it doesn't. Cause, yeah, because I say to people all the time, like I think I told you before we started recording, actually, it'd be like. It's one thing if I was trying to push the union on everybody and they totally sucked, right? Yeah, because then it's like, okay, Kincaid's trying to push this soccer thing again. But I'm like, these are friggin' good, man. I mean, they just went to MLS Cup. They went to semifinals of the Champions League. They're not bums, right? And for all these, for everything that everybody complains about with the 
like the flyers, yeah, they don't show enough heart and they don't have a plan or whatever. I'm like, dude, I like, like this union team has been like everything that you've wanted the flyers and the Phillies to be and the Sixers to be. I mean, if Joel Embiid and James Harden had half of the dog in them that Jose Martinez does, then they would be playing the Nuggets right now. You know, so that's a fight. That's the thing that I can't like reconcile. It's like you, nobody talks more about the Philly blue collar, like hard worker dog mentality than these like four for four types. I'm like, that's that it's here, man. That's what the, this, the, that's what the union are. So, you know, we're just, you know, we're, I I think we're waiting on people that are just never going to come to like, you know, that's all right. It's been like, I, I, I've never understood it because I've been a huge soccer fan my entire life from playing to watching to writing it's like, I don't, I don't, okay, you're not into it. Okay, fine. Don't be into it. I'm not terribly into baseball. I, I follow basketball kind of tangentially. Um, I don't go around saying baseball is stupid. But, you know, you shouldn't watch it. Well, like, yeah. This, yes, this, yeah right. this isn't good enough yeah. sport. All right, right, right. Those people still exist when it comes to soccer for some reason. Just fucking let it go. I don't like curling, but I, but unlike the soccer haters, I don't feel the need to go onto every USA curling post and say, this is not a sport. It sucks ass. You know? Yeah. So, all right. Well, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to push Andre Blake above Trey Turner, and uh, and then it's in God's hands from there. I, I think that's perfectly reasonable. Mike Cervetia from the Philly Soccer Page. It was good to have you on again, man. Um, I feel like this was a good return episode for me. I felt comfortable. I felt like I didn't skip a beat. Um Always enjoy the conversation, man. What's going on at PSP right now? Anything to uh, to report? Standard issue PSP right now. There's been a lot of games for for our our stable of, of writers yeah. um, themselves. Uh, Peter Andrews is doing a great job keeping things together. Um, yeah, we're we're just trying to keep up with the schedule in the same way that the union legs are trying to keep up with the schedule. <laughs> Amen, brother. Well, listen, I'm back on board and, uh, you know, we'll try to be more consistent with the podcast through the end of the season and uh, you can keep winning games. We back, baby. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. So it's soccer in Philadelphia. We'll see you next time.